good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation and you're going through but God knows so lay it at his feet this morning amen let's continue to worship him today in this place Hallelujah. Jesus. Yes, Father God, you are 
Right. 
16, Jesus promises the advocate who I will send will teach you all things and remind you. Maybe even as you were worshiping now, God was beginning to speak to your life, remind you about something he's been kind of calling you or talking to you about. But that's what he does. He's your advocate. He's not your adversary. Amen. God is your advocate and his spirit works in powerful ways. Praise God. It's so good to see each of you here today. You look great. Give yourself a pat in the back. You're here. You did it. Excellent job. You, you probably haven't complimented yourself recently, but there, there it is. Uh, but hey, let's take a few minutes and greet each other. I got to meet a family this morning, and uh, so great to meet them. I hadn't met them before, so you know there's people here uh, that maybe you haven't met. So let's take some time this morning and greet each other. God bless you. You are welcome. It is good to see you. And if you are here as our guest today... We're, our prayer is it won't be your last time here as our guest, but if you're here, maybe you've been here a time or two or three and you haven't filled out our welcome card. If you would do that, that would be so helpful and meaningful to us. We would really appreciate it. Just fill it out, bring it out to the lobby on your way out, hand it to the person at the, at the uh, welcome center there, and they have a couple gifts for you. Again, that would be tremendous if you would do that for us. We're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. Just as an update, last week, uh, we put the, the need out there uh, for Convoy of Hope and the earthquake uh, um, uh, victims and the uh, relief efforts that were going on through Convoy in Turkey and in Syria. And uh, we want to let you know that nearly uh, upwards towards $3,000 had been given last Sunday. So praise God. You can put your hands together. Praise God for that. And if you still would like to give... You can go onto our website under resources, giving, online giving. Then you'll see a link for Convoy of Hope, One Day to Feed the World. It's not going toward the specific one-day campaign, but we will know it goes towards uh, the earthquake victims in Turkey. So if you could do that today, if that's something you'd like to do, that is available. But let's pray as our ushers come this morning. Jesus, we honor you, and uh, we get to worship you, and we can't thank you enough. Not only do we get to worship you, we get to do it together. There's something powerful about doing things together. And giving together is a powerful act of worship. Bless these moments. Bless these gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. There is no other name. There is no other name by which men can be saved. There is no other name under heaven. There is rest for my soul and the wounded made whole and the captive set Let's go. 
take your bulletin out. The reason I read it, honestly, is because most of you don't. That's the fact. That's the truth. I read it because you don't. So prove me wrong. But hey, there's a few announcements I want to make sure you're aware of. First, if you're, if you're a parent or a guardian of a middle school or high school student, today is the deadline. I need to know what we have for numbers. Tomorrow we're doing something called Winter Blast because everything in youth ministry needs a name. And uh, it's going to be from 10 a.m., to about 3 p.m., and uh, you're, do not drop your students off at 9.45, or 9, drop them off at 10 o'clock. I got stuff to do in the morning before, so 10 a.m., uh, bring them over, and we're going to have a blast. We're going to have a great time in the cafe doing some stuff there and here, and then we're going to get some uh, high-quality, actually not, we're just going to get some pizza. It'll be here, not high-quality. And then uh, we're going to be bowling in Middletown, so I need those numbers today. So if you've already contacted me and said, yes, my son and daughter are coming, great, message me, DM me on, on Instagram, or uh, message me on Facebook, whatever, but that's coming tomorrow, so I need to know today. A few things coming up, though. Annual church business meeting will be next Sunday, directly after, oh, it'll be a couple minutes, but it'll be basically after the morning service in the same room here, and uh, that'll be an exciting thing to be able to see. Um, the, uh, the progress and things that have happened this past year as a church. Uh, Wednesday night, this, this Sunday, we're, or this Wednesday night rather, we're wrapping up our study on gaining and maintaining financial stability in the series Balanced. And then uh, on March 1st, we're going to begin a new one on the book of Revelation. And so uh, if, if that's something that interests you, which it should come on out on those Wednesday nights, again, this Wednesday and then uh, the following Wednesday, we have a uh, uh, we, March 1st, we have that starting up. Um, also, we have our missions convention coming up two weeks from this Sunday. In the morning, we're going to have uh, uh, missionary 
Dwayne Danielson, who actually I went to college with. Uh, we didn't know each other well, but we went to school at the same time. He's a missionary in Bangladesh. He'll be here in the morning and the evening. And the evening is our famous, world famous, possibly, I don't know, our world famous international banquet. And uh, so again, get those recipes ready from your uh, ethnicity, your heritage, bring them out. And uh, we're excited. That'll be at 5.30, again, March 5th, two weeks from today. Morning, Dwayne Danielson. Evening, Dwayne Danielson with dinner. And then the last uh, announcement is actually, Pastor, I've been thinking about this. I don't even know this is a relevant announcement anymore. Everybody has cell phones. Everybody sets your alarm with your cell phones, right? But I'm supposed to let you know that daylight savings begins March 12th but you're not going to be late because your phone automatically turns forward and the alarm will be right. The only things you'll have to turn forward are maybe some of your cards, your kitchen clocks, stuff like that. And so that is coming up quickly. So God bless you and have a wonderful day. Be me. I like that winter blast. I like that winter blast. This is my kind of winter blast this winter. What a blast to not have to shovel snow, to not have to look at it when it's all dirty from the cars going by. And I don't know if you looked ahead, but I looked at this week's forecast. Did you see Thursday? 74 degrees. Thursday. Yes. <clears throat> I love Bermuda weather. Never been to Bermuda, but I love that. 74. But I did see on Saturday morning, yeah, there's 33 degrees and a threat of one inch of snow. But last I checked, 33 degrees. My understanding is things don't freeze till 32. That's, that's like science. That's an absolute scientific. Thir freezing is 32 degrees, zero Celsius, okay? And it's going to be 33 degrees, which means that snow will come down and it won't do a thing. Hallelujah. And March is just wonderful. We can get three feet of snow in March and the next day it'll all melt. So yes, I'm just, oh, praise God. What a winter. This has been great. I've really enjoyed pastoring this year at First Assembly, Daytona, Florida. I mean, this is a great church to be at. <laughs> it's really been a great year. I just can't. I just had to highlight that when I saw, looking at 74 on Thursday. That is just insane. Anyways, listen, I want to bless you today with a message. And this morning, I want us to look at one very tiny verse of Scripture, one that you probably never noticed or possibly at least haven't looked at for a long time. You've probably forgotten it. I'm going to use this one verse in a summary fashion this morning is a type of conclusion for our emphasis on spiritual assessment series. It ended just last week. It's a passage of scripture that's wonderful sentiment in and of itself. It's so simple and yet it's so profound. And I'm going to read it to you first from the King James Version of the Bible. And then we'll read it from the New International Version of the Bible. Here it goes. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. Here it is. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. And now the New International Version. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word, for the truth of your word. For the depth of your word, for the, for the way that your word is to be applied to our lives so that we can be more. So that we can be what you want us to be. Because your goal, according to your own word, is that we would be conformed into, this, into the image of your own son, Jesus Christ. 
And Father, I pray that that would begin to become reality in our lives today. We ask for the anointing upon your anointing upon our hearts and Lord upon my lips in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, so the first thing I want you to notice about this verse obviously centers around the word prosper. And we all have our own unique idea of what it means to prosper, to be prosperous. I mean, we really do. We each have our own unique definition. But the original New Testament word that's used here in this verse is a Greek word, and it's ayudo, which means to go on a prosperous journey. Ayudo, to go on a prosperous journey. It implies to be on a profitable path. That will ultimately lead to success. And of course, the application here is that, is that, you know, we each are on a lifelong journey. Amen? Your life is a journey, day by day, unraveling. And John is wishing for his friend Gaius to have a profitable and prosperous life. And isn't that something, isn't that something good and appropriate to wish for someone else? Or even for ourselves. I mean, don't you really want the best for everyone that you know? I I don't want harm. I don't really think I have any enemies. If I do, I've forgotten them. I have this unique, I mean, I just thank God that he's built me this way. But when people cause me pain, I forget about it very quickly. I really don't. I don't consider myself to be a grudge holder. And things that have happened in life in the past, I just kind of, I forget about them. And I realize that I thank God that somehow I've inherited that probably from my father. I think, I think we really do. I think most of us would wish nothing but good on the people around us and, of course, for ourselves. But, you know, it has to become more than just a wish. You see, a desire without a plan is just a dream. And it's not going to go anywhere unless it has an engine. It has to have something to make it move forward and become reality. And so we are all on a journey called life. But how do we progress? I mean, how do we, how, do, how do we make progress in life going from a lower level of living to a higher level? How do we improve our situation? How do we better ourselves? How do we better our situation? How do we get a good job? Isn't that something that we all want? How do you get a good job? How do we find the right mate? How do we raise children that will not later on in life become rebellious and disappointing to us? How do we become helpful in, in ministry? Serving others in the church. And you know, the answer is actually contained in the very context of the verse that we read. What you're going to see in a moment is that the surrounding verses tell us how to prosper. This isn't just a salutation. This isn't just a a New Testament greeting. I believe that there actually is a, a process here that we need to tap into to make it work for our lives. And the almost hidden truth here, and actually it isn't hidden, it just simply gets overlooked... The, the truth that we miss when we read the simple verse is that we physically prosper as our soul prospers. That's exactly what the verse said. That we can physically or temporally prosper as our soul prospers. Did you notice that comparison? Look at that verse if you're open to it. The, the correlation, there's a correlation between our physical being and our soulish being. They're connected. And what he's telling us is that if we want to physically prosper and be healthy, or a better word choice, I'm going to call it being whole. I don't want to limit it just to our physical health. But our health in general, 
He's telling us that, that the, the, we, in order for us to be whole, if we want to be physically whole and complete, then we need to make sure that our soul is whole. Are you with me on that? What this verse is telling us is that if we want our physical lives to be good, then our soul has to be good as well. If we want our physical lives, all that's around us in the temporal world that we live in, to be in order, then our soul has to be whole. Because the physical is contingent upon the soulish and ultimately upon the spiritual. It's the spirit that, that initiates what's happening in your life and through your soul. And then that gets manifest through the physical. In fact, I've, I've, I've asked this question quite often in the last few decades, couple decades that I've been here. On Wednesday night Bible study, I've asked the group many times over, um, a very, I think a very interesting question that we all need to consider. And here's what I've asked them. Are we a body, you, are you a body that has a soul or are you a soul that has a body? And it may seem like a trick question, but you think about it. And believe it or not, the question is important because the only part of us that is eternal is our soul and our spirit. Our bodies, the body that you and I have right now sitting in your seat this morning will never leave this planet. Have you ever thought of it that way? That body that you have borrowed for 12 or 22 or 62 or 82 years is not going to leave this planet. We get brand new bodies that will last for eternity. That's what the Bible tells us. And you know, there will not be any doctors in heaven. No dentists. Hallelujah. I actually, I've, I've gotten more comfortable with dentists over the years. No police officers. No pharmaceutical companies. Because we won't have to worry about even the simplest things. Because Arthur-itis won't even be there. That was for the old people. We won't have to worry about crime anymore. And there won't be any undertakers because we're going to be living with the overtaker. Now, I've heard, I've heard famous preachers use that. I just had to throw that in. We have an eternal soul that is housed in a temporary structure. And in fact, it's a very fragile structure. And so please understand the soul and the spirit must be preeminent. They are by design preeminent because they're eternal, but they must be preeminent in their influence in our lives. You know, 3 John chapter 1 almost reminds me of Matthew 6.33 because of how it presents this correlation between the spiritual and the physical. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and God's righteousness. Okay, seek the spiritual first. And all these things, meaning all the things of life, will be given to you as well. Again, put the spiritual things first, and the earthly things will fall in place. It'll all be taken care of. Now, I know we, we want to believe that. Sometimes we don't feel like it's real. But I'm telling you, it's God's word, so it is real. And the verses that surround that one verse, Matthew 6, speak of life and all the cares of life. Life is full of things that can distract us, that can drag us down, that can depress us, get us disappointed. But Jesus said, don't be like others who are always focusing on whether or not they have enough to eat, whether they have enough to drink, whether they have clothes to wear. He told them of how his father, who is our father, 
takes good care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the fields. Amen. And aren't we much more valuable than anything else he's ever created? That's what Jesus told them. He asked them. If God takes care of the, you know, the flowers here for a short time and they pass and, and the earth freezes over, and, but then they come back. The birds of the air, he knows when, when one of them falls out of the sky and dies. And we are much more valuable than they, he said. But the pattern that I see here is the same as what we read in 3 John chapter 1. Seek first the spiritual. Seek first the eternal. And then all the temporal things will be taken care of. You see, I'm preaching this today because I know that there's a human tendency for us to get this backwards. Some Christians spend incredible energy trying to get ahead. And maybe even trying to, to better their physical temporal situation. But to the detriment of their spiritual welfare. I want to say that again, okay? There are a lot of Christians, I, should, don't, I don't know, some Christians, not a lot. Some Christians try to better their physical or temporal situation, their earthly situation, but to the detriment of their spiritual welfare. And what we began with this morning was that if we focus on our spiritual, if we spoke, focus on our soulish health, then all the other stuff is going to get better. And these people, those that get it wrong, they worry, they strive, they work, they scheme, trying to get it all, or maybe just some are just trying to keep it all together, you know, the house, the car, the kids, the, the schooling, and, and, and so on. And, they're, and these people are miserable because they're chasing the wind. And that's what Solomon spoke of at least a dozen times in the dozen chapters of Ecclesiastes. He talked about how life can be just chasing the wind. Just try to visualize that for a moment. Have you ever chased the wind? Doesn't that sound like an absolutely insane thing to do? Unless you're maybe three or four years old, or, or maybe if you're trying to fly a kite, but otherwise it's pure futility. Solomon said that everything is meaningless, that everything under the sun, everything under the sun is meaningless. Vanity of vanities, he said. Everything under the sun. Not the things that are eternal. Just the things that are under the sun. Not the things that are heavenly. And I love something that, that the Apostle Paul once wrote to the Corinthians in his first letter. And, and he uses the analogy of a runner and a pugilist. And how many of you know what a pugilist is? Okay, we've got a few people here. Been to the University of I don't know what. But most of you didn't know, did you? I, I had to look that one up. I had to use it. A pugilist is a boxer. You know, in a boxing ring, a boxer. Isn't that great? You always get more than you pay for, don't you, on Sunday mornings? And more than you wanted. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, he said, Paul said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way, then, to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a pugilist beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So, so you see, we, we, we see a positioning mentioned here. Of course, Paul's encouraging us to run with direction, to run with purpose, to train with a purpose, not to run aimlessly. He said, don't run aimlessly. Don't just box the air. 
But he also mentions he provides for us a contrast between an earthly crown and a crown that will last forever. Did you see that? A crown that will last forever. Again, essentially, don't put physical and temporal things in a position of priority, but put spiritual things first. Because if we do that, then everything else is going to be added to us, and you will prosper just as your soul prospers. So how do we get our soul to prosper? We all want to prosper physically. We all want to prosper under the heavens. But how do we get our soul to prosper? If we can't prosper physically until our souls prosper, how do we get our soul to prosper? Well, let's look at 3 John chapter 1 once again, this time verses 3 and 4. Again, it's all, it's all contained in the context that we're given here. In 3 John chapter 1 verse 3, it says, It gave me great joy when some believers came, testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. Look at that. They testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I believe, based upon those two verses, that our soul prospers in conjunction with our walking in the truth. And you know what? Truth is powerful. We kicked this one around a little bit in young adults this morning, but all the lies, all the stuff that's going on out there in the world, I mean, truth is so powerful. It's almost too rare, but it's powerful. And understand this too, it's not enough to just know the truth. As we're being told here in this third and fourth verse, we have to walk in it. It's not enough to just know it. It's not enough just to have the ability to recognize it. We have to walk in it. Walking in the truth. It's a very unique way to convey this concept. And, you know, Paul talked like this in his epistles. And now John is telling us the same thing. And so I had to look up that word. And, and it was, it, you know, I kind of knew what the word was. There, there are just certain vocabulary. A long time, a long time ago, I, I, was, I had to take four semesters of New Testament Greek. And so I love to show it off when I can. But seriously, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of vocabulary in the Greek that is just in my head. I can't, I, and I knew what the word was, but I went ahead and looked it up because I, I, I want to be accurate. If I share something, I want it to be truth. And the word is peripateo. Say after me. No, don't do that. I, that's, that, you know what you know, when preachers do that? It's because they, they forgot where they were in their notes. Yeah, it just buys them a minute, then come back to it. Seriously. But peripateo, isn't that a pretty cool word, though? Peripateo. Peripateo. I'm going to say it one more time, and then you're going to walk out of here today. It's going, to be like an old, it's going to be like a song you heard in the radio, and you can't get it out of your head. Peripateo. And it means, you're not going to believe, listen, it means to walk. It means to walk. And what is walking? It's moving. It's moving around. It's moving with direction. And it, and it requires coordination. It requires strength, it requires energy, and it requires will. And, you know, I'll, I'll let you know, I'm, I try to walk about three miles every day, I mean, based on weather. This winter's been great. If, it's, if I go through the park, it's all snow and ice, it's too dangerous to walk, and so I either have to not walk or I get on the dread mill in my basement. I really I despise that thing. Because you're just looking at the same thing. But the first mile, when I head out, the first mile is completely downhill. And I'll often run that first mile. And then the next half mile is level. 
And I'll sometimes run that next half mile. But I will not run back up that hill. <laughs> uh, no, I will not. I, I could. I really could. I could run back up the hill. I don't want to. I don't want to. And I tell myself, you know, you could run up this hill. You could get home faster. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm not going to. So the first mile, the first mile and a half, I talked to God. The way back, I talked to myself. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to run up there. I don't want to. And I really could. I wish you'd come with me. I, I would show off. I would show you I can do that. But I'm not going to do it. And that, that's where, that's why I included will. It's not just strength. It's not just endurance. It's not just energy. It's will. Will is, an, is a necessary ingredient to walking, isn't it? You can have the energy, but if you decide not to use it, and I don't. I willingly run downhill, I walk uphill. Another reality tells me that some people don't walk at all. And you know what they call those people? Couch potato. So listen, bottom line, we decide to walk. We decide when we want to move from place to place. In order to get something, we have to get off of our derriere and get up and walk and go get it. Unless you have young children around who are very submissive and obedient and helpful. You remember before television remote controls? <laughs> Parents used to use their children to change channels. <laughs> when I was growing up, television was transitioning from black and white to color. One or two of us kids in my family would always, we would always, no one ever told us to do this, we just knew to do it. We laid right on the floor in front of the television so that we didn't have to move too far when mom and dad wanted to watch Ed Sullivan. Seriously. It, it, we, no, there's no way we're going to go get in a regular chair. We want to be right there, just reach for it. And you remember the, remember the antenna rotors? That was located down by the TV, too. And, we'd have, and when we changed it from channel 3 to channel 6, we'd have to turn the rotor so the antenna would line up and get a better picture. So we just stayed there the whole show. So please understand this concept. Just like the idea of prospering in verse 2, if we want to prosper, we have to move. We have to do something. Prosperity isn't going to just drop into your lap. Amen? We have to do the right things to make our soul prosperous and healthy and whole. Let's take a look at James chapter 1, verse 22. This is the New International Version. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just listen to the word. The word is truth. God's word is truth. So basically, I can, let me just modify this. Do not merely listen to truth and so deceive yourselves. Do truth. Do the truth. And then the New Living Translation says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. So what are we supposed to do to strengthen our soul? First, we need to know the word. That's where you begin. What it says about the issues of life, the world that we live in today, has all kinds of perverted ideas of how life is supposed to be. Please stop listening to the platitudes of the worldly. I mean, in the book of Psalms, we're told not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. I mean, topics like same-sex marriage, trans, non-binary humans, I go through the list. I worry about those concepts infiltrating the church, finding acceptance in the church because many in the church are ignorant and compromising of God's word. And that's really my concern because many Christians today are discounting the authority of the word of God when it comes to these kinds of issues. Some Christians are trying to accommodate sinful and biblically prohibited behavior. 
And not just the ones I mentioned, but on any level, Christians try to justify themselves. You see, the Bible is not a book of suggestions. You do know that, don't you? It's a book of commands. And there's real life in those commands. And that's where I find Christians are like, oh, that seems so harsh, or, or that seems so restricting. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. I want you to look at this. This is another chapter of 1 John. 1 John 5, verse 1 through 5. Let's read this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. If you love God, you're going to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. We want to be overcomers. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And look again at verse 3. In fact, he says, in fact, this is love for God. This is love for God. Don't tell me you love God unless you can follow this verse. To keep his commands. Now, we're not going to be perfect in that, but we need to strive for it. To keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. They're not harsh. You see, God's commands are not meant to make life hard. Do you see that? They're meant to make life good. They're meant to make life good. God's word, God's commands are liberating. You know, the, the, the carnal mind thinks they're restricting. And I can't do this. And I can't do that. You know, how many times I'd witness to someone in the past and tell them, you know, you know, just all you got to do is ask Jesus into your heart. You'll be born again. You'll, you know, and, and you'll have you'll have eternal life. And and they're like, well, do I have to give up this? Do I have to give up that? Do I have to go? Well, I'm not going to lie to them, but I would tell them you won't want those things. Boundaries are good. If you if you have ever been a parent you ultimately know that your children need boundaries and they feel very safe with boundaries. They're going to push against them. They're going to cry. They're going to groan. They're going to moan. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to, you know, you're going to scream abuse. But they know they're good and they feel secure. Well, we have a heavenly father who wants us to be whole. He wants us to feel good. He wants us to have real life, to have real freedom. Again, his commands are not burdensome. At the same time, the prince of this world, Satan, is constantly creating new words, new concepts in an attempt to deceive, in an attempt to try to redefine earthly reality. And guess what? In Satan's reality, people die. Did you hear me? In Satan's reality, people die because that is the reality he's creating. He, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's Satan's reality. He wants you dead. He hates you. He hates all of humanity. He hates you more, but he hates all of humanity. And he wants to drag them into his torment with him. Hell wasn't created for humans. You know that? It was created for Satan. And he's the one that found a way to drag all of humanity with him. But Jesus said, again, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life abundant. Abundant. And so, I, you know, again, I find some Christians, they are trying to bend, they're trying to bend God's word to accommodate their sin. That's not how it works. God's word is meant to be a standard that we attempt to live up to. We need to judge all things against the word of God. Any decision you make in life needs to be judged against the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is sharp, sharper than any double-edged sword, 
and can judge the thoughts and attitudes of the human heart. God's word can judge your thoughts and attitudes, things that I can't see, things that you can't see in the person sitting next to you. But his word can judge those thoughts. And instead, you know what Christians are doing today? They're judging the word. We need to make sure that the word is judging our heart. We have no right to judge God's word. Well, that doesn't apply to 20th century Christians, 21st century Christians. It doesn't apply to me. That, that was just Old Testament rhetoric, and that's too harsh, and that's not very intolerant. And my God is all loving. My God is not all loving, and he's not, he's not only is he all merciful, not only is he full of grace, but he's also a God of justice. So we need to know the word. And then secondly, as I've already shared with you, out of James, the book of James, we need to do the word. And a lot of good things were shared with you over the, the five weeks that we, we all, the, all the pastors shared on the spiritual assessment series. If you missed anything, please let me urge you to go online, either through our website or the YouTube channel. Watch the session you may have missed, I'm telling you. Because for us to have good, wholesome souls, we need to be connected. That was week one. We need to be worshiping God. We need to desire to grow and to serve and to go and tell others about Jesus Christ. That's how those are all components of having a healthy soul. And there was so much information in each session. There's no way I could recap that today. But, but you can go and watch and you can glean again. But I do want to present one very important area where Christians hurt themselves and sabotage their endeavors to become prosperous. Just as an example, and this is in the area of finance, we all want to be financially prosperous. I've never heard from anybody, boy, I, I really would like to be poor. I've never heard anybody. And I'm not talking about becoming super wealthy. I'm talking about being truly prosperous in a balanced way. And the only way that I've learned, and I've learned this from the first days of becoming a Christian, I learned to be generous very early on in my Christian walk before I ever heard anything about giving, before I ever had a, heard a Bible study or, or a, a sermon on giving or tithing. Um, <clears throat> I learned to give, and I learned to give big right from the beginning. I thank God for that. I'm not boasting. I just thank God for that opportunity. And I, I learned to be generous through a heart of compassion that God had put in me. And then later on, I learned from, you know, again, teachings and preachings where, where he speaks of the blessing of giving and God's word. And so we're going to look at Malachi 3.10, just, just for a minute, just as an example. But it says this in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not open, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations, <clears throat> nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now he's sharing that with the whole people. But I believe that applies to every one of us individually as well. This passage has made me to prosper all of my Christian existence. And I'm not ashamed of that. And I want to encourage everyone, if you have never tried this, he says, test me in this. If you've never, if you've never given like this, give it a try. I'm, just, I'm just, just telling you, do it. Others, it may, maybe you, there are times when some people drift away from that practice. Get back to it. I'm, I'm serious about it. Because I want you to prosper. I really believe that this year is to be a year of blessing, as I had announced at the end of last year. I, you know, I, I'm not giving you a starting point or an ending point, but I believe it's going to be a year of blessing. 
I shared that when I first came here to be your pastor almost 25 years ago, and I believe that this it's coming around again. I believe it'll be a year of blessing. You're going to see the world go through some, some real tumultuous times. You're going to see people really struggle, but you are going to be blessed if you will heed what I'm sharing today about how to prosper. You will be blessed. This will be a year of blessing for you. But of course, generosity is not limited to finances. Just an example. The fact is this. We give to what or whom we love. Amen? We, we give our funds. We give our time. We give ourselves to the object of our affection. Whatever you love, you're going to give to that object of, of your affection. In the Gospel of John, 21st chapter, Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. And this is what he asked Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these now, we can, we can speculate, we can debate about what all these might have meant. What, what did Jesus mean when he said all these? Did he mean the other disciples? Did he mean the ministry? What did, what did he mean by that? And, you know, it really doesn't matter because I think ultimately what Jesus meant was, do you love me more than everything else, right? Do you love me more than these? What these? You know, and boy, Christians, just like Peter, we could find a loophole. Well, yeah, I love you more than this. I love you more than that. But Jesus had to ask three times. Peter, Peter said the same thing to him. He said, I, yeah, of course I love you. Of course I love you. Well, Peter, I mean, for, you know, G, he says, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And then Jesus asked him again. It's like, I can just see Peter, you know, you know, remember Peter being a little emotional? You know, just, I can imagine being a little inside, a little anxious inside. Three times, three times. Do you love me more than everything? That's what Jesus ultimately was asking him. Do you love me more than everything? Do we really love him more than everything? Let me close. I'm going to do a quick review. Remember 3 John 1, 2. We will prosper as our souls prosper. And our souls prosper as we know God's word and walk in it. As we put God first, spiritual things first. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. And so my desire for you is the verse that we began with. This is my desire and my prayer for you throughout 2023. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, every one of you, and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Let's pray. Heather, would you come to the keyboards? Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is truth. And God, I know that everybody in this room, every single person in this room, wants to do well in life. They want to prosper. They want to be good at their jobs. They want to have a decent income. They want to be able to, to have some discretionary funds. They want to enjoy life. They want to enjoy their families. They want good relationships. They want to grow. They want to become a better person. Lord, they want to prosper. And Lord, I pray, God, that, that before we leave this place and as we leave this place in a few moments, that, that we'll decide that we need to do what we can to build up our soul. Because this wasn't just a greeting from John to Gaius. This is God's word. 
And I believe that God desires for us to prosper even as our soul prospers. And that we need our soul to be whole, to be healed and healthy and whole. And so as we're seated here this morning and just a spirit of prayer, the first place that begins with any human being is by asking Jesus Christ to come into our hearts because we've got to make Jesus the Lord and master and savior of our lives. When we give him control, when we become his servant, he can only lead us and guide us into truth. And he desires good things for us. Again, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't, don't let this world and the prince of this world be your master. Jesus has come to give life and life abundant. That's why he's my Lord. I'm believing him for not only the good life that he's given me thus far in this world, but I'm believing him for life eternal in heaven forever. That's what he's promised. And so I just wonder, is there somebody here this morning say, Pastor, I don't have Jesus Christ living in me. I don't have the spirit of Jesus living in me. And I'm not born again. But I want to ask, I want to ask Jesus to come into my life and be my Savior. And if that's you this morning and you feel that you feel God just speaking to you, tugging on your heart, would you raise your hand where you are? If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, but you want to ask him into your heart this morning, you can do that right where you're seated. Just quickly, just raise your hand. Just acknowledge that. And then for the rest of us, yeah, we, we asked him into our life. But can there be more? I want more. I want my soul to be whole. I want my soul to prosper. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand and find a place of prayer this morning. And I want us to pray that way. As, as John prayed for Gaius, he said, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Pray that. He, he prayed for his friend. I, I pray that all may go well with you. And then he linked it with a, with a contingency. Even as your soul is getting along well. And so when we pray this morning, let's pray, God, give us healthy souls. Help our soulish man, the soulish part of us, help it to be connected with your spirit. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's find a place of prayer. Let's not rush out of here this morning, but let's just find a place of prayer. And if you're most comfortable where you are, that's fine, but... Maybe turn around your seat and kneel. Whatever, whatever works for you. But let's find a place of prayer. Let's just spend a few moments in prayer before we leave here this morning. I want you to be blessed in this year. I want you to see God do incredible things. Things that would be beyond your imagination. You probably haven't even thought yet to ask for these things. And, and it's not. I'm not trying to make God to be some magical genie. No, but I know that he wants good things for us. I know that he is a loving father. You know what? He even gave that analogy in scripture. You know, what, what earthly father, even though we're evil, we're not perfect and we're not holy, would give a scorpion or a snake to his son when he asked for a fish to eat. 
And he says, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts. How much more your heavenly father? That's the God that we're related to. And and it isn't self-serving to ask him to do things for us. It isn't self-serving to ask for the things that we really need and, and even some wants. That's not a selfish thing. And I'm not preaching prosperity gospel other than the fact that we need to get our souls right with God. If our soul is healthy, we will be healthy. And Father, I pray that right now, Lord, for everyone in this room today, God. For even for the children that are in kids' church and junior kids' church as well. They didn't hear this message. But Lord, I pray that their souls would prosper. I pray that they would draw closer to you, Lord. God, that you'd use Miss Lucy and Miss Margot to touch them and reach them with your word, with the truth of your word. And Lord God, I pray that everyone here, that we would realize that your word, again, is not a book of suggestions. It is a book of commandments. It's a book with guidance so that we can be healthy, that we can be safe. Your commands are not burdensome. They're not meant to be heavy. They're meant to be liberating. It's the enemy who tries to convince us that sin is somehow something. God God doesn't want us to have that good thing. No, it's sin. It's a bad thing. God doesn't want us to have it. Because he doesn't want us to be hurt. He doesn't want us to get dragged down. He doesn't want us to get dragged away. Even if Satan used words to deceive in the garden, the enemy's using words today to deceive Christians if that were possible. Lord, I thank you that your word is truth. Jesus, you stated it in the Gospel of John. It was recorded for us. Father, Your words are truth. And then Jesus prayed for his disciples and his fathers. He said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. And Lord, I pray that for us, God, that we would be sanctified by your truth. But that we wouldn't just know your truth, but that we would do your truth and not deceive ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would live your truth. That we'd measure up our lives against your word. And we know this side of heaven will never be completely sinless, will never be perfect. But God, you still want us to desire to live according to your truth, to walk in your truth. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray for your prosperity, God. I pray for your blessing in this year ahead, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Let's all stand together. Father, I do pray, God. I pray for each one here this morning that they may enjoy good health and that all may go well with them even as their soul prospers. Lord, I pray that you would bless us, Lord, the remainder of this day. And God, that we'd be a blessing in serving you in whatever opportunity comes our way. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.